Welcome to the LinkedIn Lounge Podcast Season 2. There are many buzzwords that are floating around LinkedIn, talking about workplace culture, work-life balance, quiet quitting, quiet firing, the great resignation, and we're here to dive in and talk about what it is employees want and how employers are trying to meet their employees where they're at. So don't multitask while you listen to this. Sit down, get focused, and put in those earbuds. Let's get started. Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. I just want to ask you real quick. Um, so you are a LinkedIn top voice, and do you want us to tell tell us a little bit about that? Like how how did you get that title, and what does that mean? You know, it's so interesting. I can share the story. Um, so for so long, I actually I recently went on LinkedIn and I checked the year that I that I joined. I can't remember it off the top of my head now, but I was on LinkedIn for years before I actually even touched the platform. And I think that's probably the story of most individuals, right? Like, I think that LinkedIn really gave, it almost kind of scared me in a way because it was this professional platform. And from my perspective, there's been a lot of times in my career where I actually would not have categorized myself as professional. Um, you know, I, I go into every space and I care for all the humans that are in it. And definitely within my career, I would say that I've always been very empathetic and compassionate, but I've always also tried to be me. And I never really thought that professional and Jasmine Escalera seemed to go together. So I didn't show up on LinkedIn for a very long time until I became a career coach and actually started to need to utilize the platform to build a presence, to build a brand for my business. And I can even remember so many people because I actually started really promoting myself as a coach on Instagram. And so many people were like, you have to get on LinkedIn. And I kept saying, nope, I am good. Because I didn't know if my personality, the way that I write, the way that I speak would actually be accepted. And I think that has a lot to do with the way that I was um, treated in the workplace. So, you know, my journey on LinkedIn really started when I started my business and I just wanted to share my story. I just wanted for other people to feel acknowledged and validated if they were going through the same same things that I was, toxic workplaces, conformity, feeling like you don't belong. Um, and I was fully adopted in that in that state, in that state of just showing up as me. And I have to say that the LinkedIn community has become truly my community. You know, I feel so accepted. I feel like I can be vulnerable. And, you know, becoming a LinkedIn top voice was such a great honor. And I remember receiving the email. I was sitting on the beach. I think it was January 2nd. I was sitting on the beach in Grenada and I received the email that I was going to be a LinkedIn top voice. And I just cried my eyeballs out because I thought back to that feeling of like, I'm not professional enough, I'm not good enough to present myself in this space, which was the feeling I felt so much in my career. And now here I was being adopted by the professional community. So it, it just really felt like a beautiful kind of turn of story. 
Yeah, that's really, that is really beautiful. It kind of came full circle, you know, yeah. stepping into that place of fear actually showed that, no, you do have a voice that is important and so much so that it's being recognized, not just in your small community, but on a much larger level. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of really big words that I want to dive in with you. Um, and let's just start with toxic workplace. So we hear this a lot um, and you kind of already hinted how how you were showing up in a professional space was very much conformed by your previous experience. So how would you describe a toxic workplace? Because we hear it all the time. But if we were to really like define it and kind of pick that apart, what are some things that we would be looking for that we could say, okay, this isn't healthy? Yeah, to me, a toxic workplace is a workplace where you don't feel safe enough to present yourself as the fullest version of you, where you don't feel safe enough to speak up and to share your ideas and to share your expertise, which is the reason why you are there in the professional space and where you don't feel safe enough to really be able to advocate for yourself. Um, so safety and toxic workplaces go very hand in hand for me, just the safety to be able to be who we are, to own our expertise, our experience, and to really be able to think about conscientiously our next step and to really be able to take those steps to make that journey ours. It's a space where you just don't have the capacity to do that. And that's to me what a toxic workplace really means. And, you know, toxic workplaces can be on the border of psychologically unsafe, physically unsafe. But in all essence, for me, it really truly means a space that I can't step into and be myself, claim what I want, claim who I am and present myself in the best light possible. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I really enjoy about your content on LinkedIn is that it's so clear that you advocate for someone to speak up for themselves and their personal experience. And so a question that I have for you is how, okay, so from a job seeker's perspective, how can they um, discover if the company they are interviewing with that they want to work for <laughs> is, mm -hmm. is going to provide that safe space for them. Cause they might say that, um, especially if they know that that's what people are looking for and they'll say, yeah, 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 sure. Of course. You know, that's what we're all about. So as a job seeker who is advocating for themselves and is speaking up, how can they kind of navigate that in the job search? Yeah, that's so great. So I get asked that question a lot. And to me, I think it's two things. And I don't always want to be putting everything or the burden on us. But I think that we should accept that we play a role in selecting the spaces that we enter into, especially if we're in, in the job search. Now, when you get the job and then they start flipping the script on you, I mean, you know, that sucks. But when we're in the process of really vetting companies, I think it's it's twofold. It's that we can't be we can't let fear overcome us in asking the right questions. And we also cannot be afraid to do the gut check and to accept that if we internally know that this isn't the right space for us, that we should listen to that. And that doesn't mean vetoing companies and organizations, but it could mean going back and asking additional questions 
or going back and trying to find additional information. But for me, it's about not being scared to ask the hard questions, the questions that really dig into how real is diversity, equity, and inclusion here? How much are you prioritizing employees of color? How much are you thinking about not just bringing in numbers, but retaining those numbers? How do you actually really advocate for the professional development and growth of your staff members? And how do you put you know, your money where your mouth is? Um, how do you th do things like compensation reviews to ensure that women, people of color are being compensated in the same way as everyone else? Um, so I think we have to ask those really hard questions and not be scared to do that. And I also think we cannot be scared to listen to our internal gut check. There were moments for sure where I knew organizations, companies, environments were not for me. But for whatever reason, I accepted the position and I accepted the role thinking that it might be different when I got there. But the thing is, you're just deeper into it when you get there. So I think those are the two things. It's like, don't be scared. Like, don't be fearful. This is the place where you are going to land and end up and where you truly want to settle and thrive. But you can't do that unless you really are able to ask those hard questions and then vet the companies appropriately as it pertains to you. Yeah, that's a really good answer. And there's so much we could we could pull apart from there. But one thing that came to mind is, okay, I'm in a job seeker's shoes. Um, I know the questions that I want to be asking. I'm doing my research. So what advice would you give to a company of what they can be sharing publicly to help kind of vet those questions already? And not just saying things for the sake of saying it, but actually proving that what you say is true. Yeah, I think it would be great if companies were just transparent, right? If companies were truly transparent about what their not just diversity, equity, and inclusion values are, or like putting stuff up on company websites, but really talking about, you know, what happens if someone actually doesn't, you know, suit those values? What happens if disciplinary action needs to happen? Like, how do they stand behind their core values? And also transparency around other things like pay and pay equity. So I think the ownership should be on the company to really be very transparent, not just this flavorful, like just using words on websites, but really going in, in the public facing world on how they actually really do these things and also with job seekers. So we don't have to also be the ones to ask the questions. It would be great if organizations would ask us, so what are your core values? What's most important to you? And when we express things like diversity, things like being able to be heard and seen in meetings, that they really help us drill down how they specifically are doing that. And then also help us by not just telling us, but also showing us like how cool would it be if an organization said, we'd love for you to sit in on a team meeting for, you know, the team that you're going to be joining so you can see these, these things in action. We'd love for you to be able to talk to, you know, a team member so that you can really get that valuable information and feel free to ask all those things that you want. You know, so just to be able to be more transparent, more open, and to also just approach the conversation from the perspective of, we want to be there, but also like, you know, make sure that you open your arms to us being there. Mm -hmm. Those are really great suggestions. Are you seeing companies actually do that right now? Or is it kind of shifting that direction? Or is this still like, this is a daydream, but we're getting the conversation going, and maybe we'll get there someday? 
Um, you know, to be 100% honest, I don't know that we'll get there in my lifetime. Um, but I do think that um, the new generation of staff members and employees are really, really having these, these conversations that truly matter about mental health, about psychological safety, about toxic workplaces. I can tell you that I never had even heard about the term toxic workplace when I was in one. Um, so I know that because we are having these conversations, we as staff members and employees feel more empowered to have the conversations, ask the questions and create the change that we need to. Do I think that there's enough that companies are doing? No, I don't I don't personally think so. I think there are some great ones out there um, that are really trying and that are really trying to, to make the change, but I don't think it's a systemic or uniform thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. So, and, and maybe you can't answer this because this is probably part of the services that you, that you offer, but if someone's like, okay, I know that that company exists out there, mm-hmm. there's one far and few, how, how can we find them or how yeah. can these companies that actually do exist that are out there, maybe you have a suggestion on what they could do to make themselves more visible so that people can find them easier. Yeah, so when it comes from the perspective of the job seeker, the thing that I really love to do with my clients is to dig into what's really most important to you, not just in your career, but also in your life. Like, what do you want your career to look like? What kind of organization, supervisor, team do you really need to feel supported to be you, to really be supported, to advocate for yourself? Um, What are the most important things to you outside of work? that your career, that your job can actually help you to either create or get or mesh with. So it's really about digging deep into who you are and what your individual needs are. There's some core needs that we all have when we think about our careers, right? We wanna be paid well, we wanna have growth, we wanna have development, but there's also core things that an individual truly wants. And I think it's really important to dig into that and then to design your questions that you're asking organizations around those key priority things to you. Um, and then I think from the company perspective, you know, I think there are companies out there that are, you know, doing a great work with ERGs and like bringing in, you know, professionals to talk about these kinds of conversations and even giving trainings to their leadership team around empathy and emotional intelligence and compassionate leadership. And so I think it'd be cool if companies just talked more about what's going on in the inside and the internal pieces of what they're doing to really be able to bring this, um, you know, bring this change from a company perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to back up one second. So our listeners are all on the same page. What exactly is an ERG? So an employee resource group. And what are they supposed to do? Like what, what would an ideal ERG do? What would that look like? That's a great question. The ideal ERG, Um, you know, so employee resource groups are truly supposed to be advocates and spaces, spaces for employees to really be able to communicate, to talk, to talk about their development and needs and to receive specific training as it relates to them as employees and individuals for their specific needs. Um, And I think there are some great ones out there. I've done some work with some great ERGs. Um, that really, truly are putting their staff members first. And I do also think that there are some organizations that, you know, just create these things for just show. It happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. There's doing it to actually move the needle forward, right, and make a difference in the company. And then there's doing it just to tick off a box on your checklist of the things that you're supposed to be doing, you know, in quotations. All right. You mentioned another big word. So we talked about toxic workplace. 
You also mentioned conformity. Do you want to explain a little bit? What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So conforming truly means almost kind of shedding of who you are, shedding of yourself, your values, um, you know, the way you would traditionally show up and almost kind of trying to act a different way in order to be accepted by a specific group. Um, that's what it truly meant for me in my career. So, you know, I grew up as um, I grew up as a very loud Latina who grew up in Brooklyn, um, you know, very, very fun, loving, very energetic. And I worked in um, research and clinical research, very white male dominated spaces, very competitive. And I felt like I couldn't bring that person into that space because it really wasn't accepted because it wasn't the norm. So the norm was to act a certain way. And I always felt like if the, the little times that I tried to be myself, I felt so awkward about it. And I really felt pushed out. Um, so conforming to me was not being that person. It was being the person who's kind of quiet and meek and maybe, you know, doesn't express her ideas as much. Or if she does and she gets turned down, just kind of like turns into herself. Um, so it was really just kind of, trying to be something that I think people wanted me to be rather than truly being myself. Mm. Yeah. And that's a really difficult place to be in, especially when you know you have so much more to offer and they don't even really truly know the real Jasmine, right? They know like a silhouette of her and it's like, they're not getting the most of you and the best of you, but also the fear that comes along with what happens if I do that. Cause you know, I don't know, eventually, did, did you voluntarily leave that job or what happened? Because you no longer work there. Yeah. So in that particular, I mean, that was throughout my career, but in the space where I felt like it was the most powerful and strongest, I actually decided to reclaim myself back. And, you know, once I started to do that and started to, you know, enter into the spaces as I wanted to, and really, truly as I was, um, yeah, I wasn't accepted. <laughs> I wasn't accepted. And in fact, I felt like there was almost kind of like backlash in a way, um, almost this kind of mentality of before when I wasn't speaking, it was like, I don't matter. And now that I am speaking up, it's like, who does she think she is? So it was almost kind of like, I felt like I couldn't win. Right, right. And this, the idea of workplace culture keeps coming to my mind, because what you were saying, I mean, there was just so much happening without you even saying anything, right? It was like, maybe you just even showing a, a sliver of who you truly are, you know, you're, it's this whole, this whole other world is actually happening and taking place right within that community. And maybe they wouldn't have even used the word culture to define that, but it's like, even today, how, how do we define what's happening and then be able to make productive, constructive change that's safe for everyone within the process, you know, without name calling and pointing fingers and, I think it's a difficult space to navigate, but it's an important one because if you're not able to define what's happening, then you can't really explain to other people what they're walking, what they're going to be walking into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love the fact that we are having these conversations now, because for so long, I didn't really understand what I was going through or even what I was doing. And, you know, I didn't understand what I was experiencing. I didn't understand the impact that it was having on me. I didn't know, I didn't, there, I did not know about toxic workplaces. That term wasn't spoken about. I did not know about imposter syndrome. 
that term was not spoken about. You know, I didn't really understand conformity, like I kind of got it, like conformity and code switching, but we weren't really talking a lot about those things, um, maybe not necessarily in my field. Um, and so that's why I really, really love the fact that these conversations are happening, because it puts a label onto your experience and it validates it. And it almost kind of allows you to sort of say like, okay, I am going through this. It is real. I'm not the only one. And I also don't have to tolerate it because not only are we talking about the experiences and labeling them, but we're giving people the resources and tools they need to figure out their best next step. So for me, I just love the fact that we're having these conversations. I think that that's the way that change really truly can be created because the more we take ownership of our experiences and say no to the things that are not, not of level of who we are, then I hope companies will start to realize that they have to change just like what happened with the great resignation. Right, exactly. Um, and I was going to say, say too, like awareness is just absolutely like the first step. Cause if you don't even know, like you said, you didn't know the term toxic workplace. And I think a lot of people are in that same, that same mm -hmm. boat. And what do you think was it that triggered this kind of conversation to come out now? Do you think it was because of COVID or do you think it was already kind of happening before then? Like what is, what is it that has really spurred these conversations to now start happening and not just happening on LinkedIn or within your own community, but also to now bring people in externally and, you know, have a discussion within your workplace. I think so much has happened in these last few years globally, but in the U.S. especially, to show that racism doesn't just exist outside of the corporate culture. It's also present everywhere. Um, it's a systemic issue. So I think that there's been a lot that has happened over the course of the last few years that I've really truly brought to light that people are not treated equally in all spaces. Um, and I think before we used to think, we used to kind of push the push career and the workplace to the side, almost kind of putting it in its own bucket. And we used to propagate this idea and this narrative of almost kind of like you can't be yourself in the workplace, right? Like shed it, shed it when you get to the door, like anything about you that isn't about work, leave it at the door. And so it almost propagated this whole concept and idea that you as a person, as an individual, who you are doesn't matter. It's just about the work. It's just about the productivity. And now we're starting to realize that in order to be productive and in order to really give our best work, we have to be our whole self. And we can't do that if we're not allowed to. Yeah, it's really powerful. It's kind of the, the idea that if everyone comes in and they look cookie cutter and they all conform to this one same idea that there'll be more product productivity and the work will be better when actually, you know, they were shooting themselves in their foot because they found that actually that wasn't the way it is. So I think it's a really exciting space to be in as we venture into it. But I think there's a lot of difficulties that come with because a lot of people are learning along the way and trying to navigate, okay, how do we do this and how do we be respectful and how do we really create that safe space? Have you found that there are those opportunities in like the your clients that you work with? Are they finding these places where they do feel like they're being heard and their voices are being heard and they can fully step in their full selves? Yeah, you know, I recently just um, 
I recently had a conversation with a past client of mine. Her name is Dana. And it literally brought me to tears because one of the things that she said that no other client has, has honestly ever said to me, like clients have said like, yeah, I like it here. I'm having fun. I get to, you know, do my leadership. I get to grow. But one of the things that she said to me that was so powerful was I am expected to bring my expertise to the table every single day. I am expected to bring my expertise to every single conversation every single day. And I know how much that truly meant, especially for her, because she had been in toxic workplaces before where she felt like she couldn't do that. Not only couldn't do that, but she tried, she would try and she would be shut down. And so that was such a beautiful conversation, a beautiful moment to me and a representation of it does exist. And I truly believe that I come from the space of positivity and I come from the space of positive thought. I do not believe in like everything in roses and sunshine because it's not. But I like to truly believe that there are spaces and places and environments and people that will accept us. And we have to know who we are and what we need and find it and find it. Um, so that was like a beautiful story. And it was something that not, no other client has ever expressed it in that way. And I thought it was really, really beautiful. It is. And I love how she's able to articulate that and that she's either been told that or it's made very clear because I think many people don't have that expectation of like you are an expert and we need what you have to say and so for her to be able to even relay that message back to you means that she's hearing that and that in itself is just really encouraging that's a great it's a great example we need more of that it's like absolutely yeah yeah we need a lot more of that (laughs) (laughs) yeah well Jasmine, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, If someone wants to connect with you or learn more about how they can work with you, if they feel like this really resonated with them and they are looking for this kind of support, how can they find you? Yeah. So um, I tell everybody that I live in LinkedIn and Instagram, like literally live in there. Um, So You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn at Jasmine Escalera, and you can reach out to me also on Instagram at Jasmine Escalera Coaching. And I also have a podcast called Her Next Career Move, where I talk a lot about my experiences in my career, my clients' experiences in theirs. We talk about toxic workplaces, how to own your career your way, and also how to make the money you deserve as a woman of color. That's wonderful. I highly suggest everyone goes and follows Jasmine. I will drop the link here. Go listen to her podcast as well. It's really great. She's got really great perspective. And please keep the conversation and discussion going, especially on LinkedIn and elsewhere, because it's very much needed. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much.